everybody and welcome back to the Cooldown Room. Today I'm with Joel Herman, who is a comedian and F1 fan from Finland. <laughs> Yay! Hi, nice, to be, nice to be here. It's it's good to um yeah, I'm a I'm a huge F1 fan and I rarely get a chance to talk to someone who is like at that same level with me. Yeah. Like I know like I'm from Finland, you know, F1 and motorsports are a big thing here, but rarely do I get someone who's like as excited about it as I am. So this will be fun. Yeah, and there's definitely no shortage of excitement here. As you can tell, I'm like, yeah, let's go. I'm so excited and I love talking about F1. And I'll be honest, I think this is the most I've ever heard a Finnish person speak. Um, so this is very <laughs> exciting for us all, I think. Yeah, it's a new territory for all of us. <laughs> so how did you get into F1 and when? Oh, um, so a little bit of a background. I am uh, a couple of years older than most of the um, the people that you would watch like or listen to F1 content about. So I was born in 92 and the first uh, first like actual memory that I remember about F1 was um, seeing the podium. Like I went to a friend's house and I, I saw the podium ceremony for the... 97 uh european grand prix the 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 last race of that season and it was won by mika hacken and that was ah, actually his that was you. that was his first win and i didn't see the race i just saw like on the podium it's like oh that's there's a so Finnish cool. guy like like that's, that's <laughs> like that's my country <laughs> yeah exactly that's my flag um and uh then i sort of like my my dad was into f1 and uh and rally too so like all all sorts of like motorsports and stuff and at that point, it was just like, oh, like this, this like F1 thing seems interesting. And I got the F1 uh, 97 uh, PlayStation game too. So ah, it's like, okay, cool. next season, I'm going to start watching. And then, of course, that was the season that Hakkinen won his first championship. That's and brilliant. the following year, yeah, the following <laughs> year, he won as well. So I was, I was pretty hooked from then on. Yeah. That's I did, awesome. I did, I did miss a little bit during like the Schumacher domination years, but uh, that's okay. And, you probably yeah, just missed a load of Schumacher wins. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, can probably exactly. guess what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a pretty pretty easy guess. And then yeah, the couple of years after that, but then like when I moved out and like, you know, got my own TV, my own TV access and everything. So it, from then on, it's been pretty nonstop. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite race? Uh right off the bat, you're asking me the, all these tough yeah, questions. I know. Uh, <laughs> 98 Monaco is pretty good. Uh, what else comes to my uh, to 2012 Brazil? That's a, that's a modern classic. Mm. Uh, what was the German one? Was it 2018 or 19? Which one? Because they both of those that you named were quite. Um, 18 was the one where Seb went off. 19 was the wet one. Uh, the 19 one then. Yeah. Okay, so that's actually my favorite F1 race of all time. So I'm glad you brought that one up because that <laughs> one is just pure chaos, and I love a bit of chaos. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. As long as it's not manufactured, like the last two seasons. Exactly, exactly. I do feel like um some things have been getting a bit manufactured. Um, I think we'll get into that a bit later because I would oh, love sure. to hear a bit more about as a Finnish person, the motorsport experience, it's very exciting to me because being from the UK, it's a very motorsporty country. You know, we've had a lot of racing history here, um, but it's obviously quite different to what's what's going on in Finland. In Finland, there's very much emphasis on like rallying, um, while in the UK, it's more like historic circuits and I guess single seaters and maybe like 
some regular cars just kind of driving around on tracks. It's very it's very much track racing. Um, yeah. So yeah, it... what's what's the experience with rallying for you? Um, not much. I've watched one rally live, and I do follow it on the on the apps and whatever. And like that's been on and off for me since I was a small kid. And um, yeah, that got pretty boring at some point too, because there were the two French Sebastians, uh, Loeb and then Ogier, one winning like fifteen years in a row. So it, at that point, it's just like, okay, well, we'll we'll pretty much know who's winning. And then my my family, like my stepdad, is a uh, drag racing uh, Nordic and Finnish champion, and then my my older sister is a Finnish junior champion in that too. So like that was that also helped a little bit with the whole motorsport yeah. thing. <laughs> and then yeah, the I think I think the rallying thing is like everybody knows about it to an extent, but like the people that actually really follow it are pretty hard to find, or maybe it's like a I think it might be also to do with the fact that I've always lived in cities or like suburbs at least. Yeah. And that seems to be a pretty much a rural thing because you have those back roads where yeah. you can just like pre be pretty sure that nobody else is coming along. So yeah. you can just have a little fun. Yeah. Just fly off the hill. <laughs> exactly. Do a little drift. Yeah. So I forgot if I think I think we talked about this a while ago. Um, did you know I met Mika Hakkinen? You did mention that, yeah. I'm still pretty jealous of that one. <laughs> yeah. So, where, do, where did you meet him? Yeah. So, I'll tell you, and I guess our, our viewers and listeners as well, because I don't think many people know this story yet. So, um, I was invited to the F1 Arcade launch party in London, um, which is really cool. I honestly, possibly the coolest thing I've ever gone to in my life. So, have you seen F1 Arcade? Like, do you know what that is? Uh, I've only seen pictures. Okay. I don't know much. Yeah. So it's like it's like a kind of venue where you can do sim racing and have drinks and stuff um just a nice f1 social space it's very cool and apparently there's going to be more popping up across the world in future days or years uh, fairly brand new right yeah so it's only it's like the end of last year i went to the launch party and that was before it had opened to the public um so that was yeah it's only been open a few months um, so yeah, I went along to that and I didn't know what to expect because I only found out that morning that I was going to be able to go. Um, so it was quite last minute. Um, I got in and it was really, really busy in there. So I was very overwhelmed. I was like, okay, <laughs> there's a lot of people and a lot of noise. Um, so that was a bit like, you know, difficult. But then I started to relax a bit as I got to, because I recognized some people, like there were some friends who I'd seen at other events. So I was like, oh, hi. I was able to meet some people and it's just really great to just mingle with all the F1 fans. And then I went through to a different room because I was looking for someone. And all of a sudden I can see David Coulthard and Mika Hakkinen are racing each other on The Sims. Like I just wow. walked in and they were doing that. And I was like, uh, I was like, like pinching myself <laughs> like am I dreaming am I just like how has this happened so they're, they're racing and it's, it's looking like a fun time um and then they kind of get up and once they finished and there's a bit of a crowd around them obviously um and this one guy I did not know him um but he noticed my jacket um so I was wearing a racing pride jacket um and I do social media for racing pride which is about lgbtq plus inclusion in motorsport and so my jacket had this like pride stripe down it like a rainbow um and this random person didn't know him 
he he like grabs me, literally grabs me by my shoulders, and it's like, oh my god, is that a pride flag? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's a pride flag. And then he asked if I could get a photo with Hakkinen and Coulthard because he likes them and he's gay, so he wanted me to pose with them. <laughs> which I don't I don't quite get the logic, but you know what? I was like, sure. So he like brings me right to the like in front of them like he's literally pushing me by the shoulders like steering me through the crowd <laughs> and I'm just uh, like hey um and then there they were Kultad and Hakkinen and they both shake my hand which was like I was it, it was a moment um they were so nice they took the time to say like hello they were so warm and welcoming um each of them posed for a photo with me individually and then one together as well um and I think it was called Todd, like, patted me on the back. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, so it was a really short interaction, but a really nice one. And then I was heading back to my group to tell them what, what had just happened, because I had no idea they were even there. And it was um, my friend Richard Morris, who's a racing driver. I got to him and I was trying to explain to him that Hakkinen and Coulthard were in the other room. Um, and then I, I like took a few steps backwards because it was it was quite busy in there and, you know, people were kind of moving around. And I step backwards and I I feel someone behind me that I kind of clonk into them. And I turn around and it's Hakkinen. So I was like, I literally just reversed into Hakkinen without realizing, like bumped into him. And I heard him go like, oop, behind me. I was like, oh my God. I just like reversed into Hakkinen. <laughs> um, so that was, that's that story. Um, and I I think that's a really fun story to tell because like, where else do you get a story like that? Exactly. Like like it it sounded like a happy accident worked out yeah, pretty well absolutely. for you. Absolutely. And it was just such a positive experience as well. Especially being a woman, you never quite know how people are gonna react because it's a very male dominated sport. And you know, sometimes people can make these assumptions that you're only there for like to admire the drivers or something ridiculous like that. But I felt so accepted and included by everyone there, including the two icons of the sport. Um so yeah, it was just really nice to just feel really included and welcome, just like everyone else. So yay! Yeah, yeah. he's that a was... he's a he's a hometown hero. You know, like I I told you that um, Hacking and mm. uh, grew up in the same town as me. I just, I'd forgotten on, on about that. Okay, fine, but like, on the opposite <laughs> side, but still, nonetheless, you know. Yeah. And, uh, Mika Salo as well. I think they grew up on the same street wow. too. Um, it's like the motorsport yeah. street. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know which one it is. I, I've, I've seen it in like, um, some like old interviews or something, and they actually mention where the place is, uh, and uh, the, the part of town where he's from, they used to have, uh, Miko Hakkinen Square, but wow. I think it got renamed last year or the year no, before. No, why that. would they do that? I don't know, because it was like, well, he won twenty years ago. So. Oh, but that's he's he's such a big name though in motorsport. Uh, that's yeah. annoying. So. When Hakkinen was racing, did you expect him to do that well straight away? I mean, I was, what, five, six? So I, I didn't really know. And it was like, oh, I know that he just won a race. So why yeah. would he be, win more? <laughs> you know, you're like, you have those sort of like little kid expectations that yeah, everything yeah, is yeah. going to go your way. <laughs> and for some reason it did. Uh, and and um, yeah, it was it was fun for that that amount of time and of course like it was still exciting when he was racing schumacher uh in 2000 and a little bit in 2001 too um 
but but I but I think it's just um I think you know everybody knew that he was on on his way out. He was gonna take a sabbatical, which he still hasn't officially retired, <laughs> yeah. as far as I know. Uh, he's still coming back there's still hope <laughs> yeah exactly and uh well then Kimi came along so things changed in that sort yeah. of way for for um for better or for worse I don't know but still we had a we had a guy on on you know raising at the top mm. so it was so it was, what was, it was still reaction? good time what was your reaction to Kimi coming in like did, did you see that he'd be such a a legend that he became or was he just kind of oh let's see how he does or like what was what was the feeling in Finland I think the feeling was that like oh he's super inexperienced and very young as as he was at the time yeah. now like he was 22 or 21 when when he came to formula 1 like now that's normal but like in 2001 that was pretty yeah. much an anomaly like, who's this child <laughs> yeah and with such limited experience behind the wheel of like a like a formula style car or what what is it called a single seater yeah. yeah uh and he had a good season at sauber and then he got the mclaren gig after hacking and left so like that first year was kind of iffy but then he almost won the championship the next year without actually really winning races which was weird yeah like he won one race and he finished the championship two high, two points behind schumacher like that was that's insane uh and then like it was just kind of like oh he's gonna be this i i, I think the feeling was because like he was pretty close in 2003 and then 2005 was also where like he finished second in the championship and not that far behind alonso and yeah. then I, I i think the feeling was this like well either he's gonna win or he's gonna he's gonna become this like forever second yeah and uh, luckily, it did turn out pretty good in 2007. Yes. Uh, in just... in a pretty legendary fashion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so... sure British British fans remember that one too for the wrong reasons. <laughs> well, that's funny actually because this is exactly where my Formula One story begins. So I actually started okay. in 2007. Um, mm. Very similarly to you, I was a Lewis Hamilton fan. He was just the British guy who was winning. I was like that's my country um and he, you know i just watched him and supported him and then he went on to win a championship fairly soon after so <laughs> yay yeah. the cinematic parallels between our f1 beginnings um and i was yeah, probably right, about right place five. right time yeah exactly so yeah it's very cool and especially now seeing what hamilton has become like he is arguably the best f1 driver of all time like statistically so anyway um it's just so fantastic to have seen this this guy that i just randomly picked him when i was younger to where he is now um, i mean everybody everybody i think everybody knew he was gonna, gonna become a champion at least once but seven yeah. is, is seven a a almost eight <laughs> yeah you want to get into that too or, I, don't I, don't I don't know i don't know risky territory um <laughs> I have covered that a few times on this show and um generally people are more up to a discussion here. Um, you know, my my pages never seem to be a except on Twitter. Other than Twitter, my pages are never an argument place. Um, you know, people can respect each other's opinions here, which is really good. So I'm gonna ask, what was your opinion on Abu Dhabi? Oh, ooh, that Abu uh, Dhabi. <laughs> yeah. 
Luckily, as a Finnish we, we person, because you're you're like a neutral. Because like as a exactly. British person, you know, I'm a little bit biased. Um. Yeah. Lu- luckily, we don't have it like a Reddit discussion thread going on uh, going on about this podcast. So yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, right. we're we're not taking the worst of it. Yeah. I think. no, we're so small. No one's gonna mind if people don't like it. They can just turn off. <laughs> ah, perfect. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't have a controversial opinion on that one. I th- I just think I have a rather factual one, which is, okay. which was that ru- rules were not followed, and that's it. Yeah. Like, like it should, it should have been handled differently. Like, either bringing the safety car, uh, the lap earlier by you know, getting all the lap cars out of the way, or just finish behind the safety car, but not, not like that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And um, like, whatever, whatever the outcome would have been, I don't, I don't give anything. Like, like I don't have an opinion on that, but just you yeah. know, do it the right way. I completely agree. To be honest, I think. You know, as someone who does like Lewis Hamilton, um, obviously I would rather he came out on top. However, I also do like to look at things very objectively and factually. Um, so yeah, looking at the rule procedures, the rules were not followed as as standard. It felt like things were changed purely. I don't believe it was to rob Lewis Hamilton or anything like that. I don't believe no. it was a targeted no, it was, attack. It was for the spectacle. Yes, exactly. It was a panicked decision made by the race directors or whatever the official word is, you know, but the decision makers under a lot of pressure, because this was arguably F1's biggest race in history, maybe, you know, level one points going into the final race. So many new people who have never even seen it before, you know, everyone's talking about the big race, even people like uh, who I knew in my real life, like coming to me and being like, "Oh my gosh, are you watching Formula One?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course I'm watching Formula One," because everyone knows I'm like the F1 person. Um, mm-hmm. So everyone was like, "Yeah, yeah I'm going to watch F1." Um, you know, being on the world stage like that, people aren't going to quite understand the safety car finish. So I feel like they just panicked and were like, "We can't end this under the safety car." Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, things obviously went a bit wrong. Um, which brings us to the discussion point that we mentioned briefly earlier of the spectacle. Um, yeah. I was going to follow with that. Yes, <laughs> the segue. See, we're in tune here. Um, so a lot of people were saying, oh, maybe they could have thrown a red flag and just restarted the race and then they would have been able to finish while racing. I feel like that's what we just saw happen in Australia, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I I don't know if it was a necessary red flag or at least, you know, there was there was definitely some element of for the spectacle um, going on. I'm pretty yeah. sure the stat is that we hadn't seen many red. I think it was like there was one red flag between 2018 and 2019 or something, and now it feels Could like we're be. getting red flags every few races. So it, it, was, it, it was it was the most amount of red flags in a race ever. Yeah. So, I so or or at least um the most there. amount of starts. Yeah. Standing starts. So yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And I definitely feel like the standing start was for the spectacle. And honestly, I am not opposed to a standing start. As an enjoyer of the spectacle, I do love a standing start. <laughs> um but you know, it kind of takes mm. it it leads to problems as we've seen. We had several people's races ended. We had Science picking up a penalty that ruined his race, despite it not actually doing anything because Alonso was fine. All kinds of controversies, really. So, I don't know. What would you have done? I think uh, for, uh, first I would get rid of the um, standing start procedure. 
following a red flag. I think Devastating. that's devastating. Yeah, I think <laughs> I agree, I, but like, nah. <laughs> and and like for for me, the whole thing is like, okay, the the whole point of qualifying is that you you get a, a qualifying spot wherever it might may be, and then you have to defend that into turn one on the first yeah. lap. After that, you've earned your place on the track, and that cannot be taken away from you. So yeah. that in in that sense, like the um, um, the rolling start is sort of like um, a backstop to uh, to it as much as it can be following a red flag situation. Yeah, kind of like safety a safety car. car restart. Yeah, exactly. And so in that sort of sense, I think red flags aren't inherently a bad thing, but I think yes. Australia, where is uh, Australia? This year, I think, was the jumping the shark moment. What does that for mean? F1? It, it means that, like, it, we've we've gone far too, like, like we've gone too far with the spectacle. And I think, yeah. like, this is this is the beginning of the end in sort of that sense. Like, we're it's gonna get worse from here. That's the that's what jumping the shark means, right? And I think, I think either there's gonna be there has to be a massive rules overhaul or it's gonna get much worse than this yeah and and i i think they were reticent about putting on uh like a safety car ending because people complained after monza last year and yeah but i don't get that though because it's this a lot of it was the same people complaining after abu dhabi that the rules weren't followed and then complaining when the rules were followed so personally, I think the safety car finish in Monza was completely fine because that's what you're meant to do. Exactly, but I think, but I think here is the okay. This this is gonna get me some hate mail if, it, if okay. this podcast blows up. Be nice, but, uh, guys. Be nice. <laughs> yeah, because this is some elitist BS. So I think the people that have the problem with uh, safety car endings are sports fans, not F1 fans. Because, like a regular sports fan, wants the spectacle, mm. but you can't always get the spectacle. That's just how F one works. That's how motorsports work. I actually don't think that's too controversial. I would. Yeah, agree but with some that. people are going to get pissed at that. It's well, like, yeah. oh, like yeah, yeah, you think you know too much or whatever. It's like, no, but that that does make sense. And you can be a sports fan and an F one fan. It's just, it's yeah, just a matter of which things. what kind of yeah, exactly. Because I'm not really a sports fan. I don't really enjoy any other sport besides motorsport. <laughs> um, I only really care about that. I'll, I'll like watch the Olympics if it's on. But even then, it's like there's no particular sport I go for. But that's basically my sport. Um, my sport... I don't know the word. What I watch. It's the sports I watch. Basically nothing except the Olympics. But mm. Formula One, any sorts of motorsport, you know, Formula E, Formula Two... Formula 3. <laughs> I love DTM as well, and I've just started watching BTCC, which is a British series, and GB3. Shout out to GB3. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I'll your, watch... What are your thoughts on the DTM fin finale in 21? Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> don't, don't get me started on that one. That was a mess of, um, of the highest order, in my opinion. Um, I don't really have a specific thought on what was right or wrong. Well, there was a lot of wrong... <laughs> <laughs> but I don't really think there's a solution to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm just glad my boy Alex Albon was not involved because that's why I started watching DTM. Because <laughs> he was in it. So I was like, yeah, go, the, Alex. The poor Liam. I felt so bad for Liam. It was like, 
There was no need. There was no need. And then it was um if 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 you if any of you don't know what you're talking about, go watch uh, Josh Josh Revel's video on this one. I didn't know he'd done a video on it. Yeah, that's, that's how cool. I know about the whole thing. Highly recommend. I I believe it was Josh. I think yeah, I'll, it was I'll probably give him Josh. Publicity. Yeah. 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 No, it's okay. Josh is an enjoyer of the cooldown room because he was on it, so it's fine. He's allowed all the publicity he wants on here. We were actually mentioning him last episode as well. Whoever it was, I was I think it was Neil I was with last episode. Um, oh good. We were talking about him. He's great. He does some great videos and yeah, it's great to see. So yeah, yeah. go Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of something with DTM. Yeah, that was my first season of DTM, that one. So yeah. it was a little bit of a, ooh, a bit of a spicy introduction, I guess. Um, but it was fun. I do like DTM. I, I only watch like F1 and the feeders and uh, WRC. So. Did you watch W series? I did. Uh, I did watch... I didn't watch the last season all that much, but I did watch the one before, uh, like I th pretty much every race. And I think <laughs> that series could have been done a whole lot better too. Yeah, and they needed more money, especially. They were very, very mm. underfunded, which is a big problem. Did you have a favorite? Well, Emma Kimi Lainen. Ah, of course. She's so cool. She has kids. Like, that is so yeah. cool to me. Like, the idea mm -hmm. of someone being like a whole mom, like a, a parent, well, yeah. a mom parent, <laughs> and then like, think... coming along. And, like, like, yeah, she's cool. She's, um, like, her, uh, she does a lot of good for women in motorsport in general. But I think the WR, uh, W series was a bit sort of sort of a failure in that too like it didn't really feel like a junior series yeah which it should have like it should have yeah. been a place where women could like advance in single seaters but I it agree. just ended up being like their own series so like yeah like what if the winner of the w w series was guaranteed to see it in f3 yeah and it felt like jamie chadwick kind of just stuck around for was it all three years she won it yeah and here's some interesting information. Apparently, mm -hmm. Jamie Chadwick was offered a seat in Formula 3, but she declined it. Yeah, that's what I heard, too. <laughs> and I think that sort of ruined the whole thing, too. Yeah, because it's but, like, if you don't want to had... press... <laughs> yeah, and like, but I, I think she had some financial issues that were related, but she was offered a seat, nonetheless. Yeah, that's interesting to me. It's very interesting. Yeah, but like Sophia, <laughs> Sophia Flourish has uh, talked negatively about the W series uh, as as it was happening too, and like <laughs> I think she was right on the money with her comments. I I don't know. I agree to some extent with what she was saying. Um, I don't agree that because she says that there should not be any women only series, and I disagree. Um, I think it's fine to have oh, a female yeah, series. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the main comment I've I've heard and disagree with from her because I think right now it's needed. In the future, when there are more women in motorsport and it's more equal, it won't be needed mm -hmm. anymore. That's fine. That's good. It'll be good when it's not needed anymore. But right now, like looking at F one, looking at F two, there's no women. Looking at F three, there's one woman. You know, yeah. that's that's, that's, that's not yeah. a balance. When it's a, it's basically a fifty fifty on the planet, right? Yeah, like, I think the, it's a fifty-fifty whole... here, you know. It is, it is, and I, 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 the 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 main comment that I agree with with uh, with Flourish was uh, the fact that like 
yeah, women need to compete with men and like not only with each other because mm. that's not going to do anything. Like that yeah. that was the one where it's like, yeah, sure, like do the W series or and do something else too in the meantime yes, or like exactly. do, do the double series, W series for one year, two years and then yeah. go somewhere else. And the thing is, we want to see women fighting at the front as well. Like it's great seeing women compete with the the guys. But if they're not actually succeeding, then it's not the most inspirational. Like, I, no offense to Sophia, but she's a little bit of a mm. backmarker, <laughs> which can well, make was... it a little bit tricky. Um, I know watching DTM, it was like always the two women were at the back, and it's a little bit like, mm. and we know women are just as capable. It's just a matter of getting the opportunities for more women to get in, so that the talent pool is bigger, so that more women can succeed. Exactly. So, Sing single theaters were still always behind, but like um other other series like um the DTM style kind of uh, car racing and uh, rallying, yeah, we we've seen women succeed yep. there. Some fantastic women, and through and the endu- years as and, well. And endurance too. Wasn't I? I don't really watch endurance at the moment. I'm trying to get into it, but it's it. It's a lot. <laughs> so, you want to endure? Yeah. <laughs> like, I I very much like to sit for a whole race, and I don't know if I have it in me to watch, like, a 24-hour race. So I always just tune in for the last hour or so. Yeah. Um, Le Mans is fun to put on the background for the whole thing. Yeah. And just, like, have it on the that. screen. Like, the vibes, you know? Like, yeah. you're just kind of chilling and going about your day-to-day life, but there's some racing on. That's nice, actually. Yeah. Because I'm very much a glued-to-the-screen kind of person. I'm always like... Mm-hmm. Who's who's winning? <laughs> who's overtaking? <laughs> I want to see action. Um, what was I going to say? Was it? Um, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong because I think she's French. Dorian Pin. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Sorry if I pronounce that wrong. <laughs> um, but she was on the front row pole position. Pole position. I I I, <laughs> I, I know, know the person, <laughs> and I know she's had recent success. Yes, and uh, all very good. Shout out to her. <laughs> Hooray. That's another thing. It it helps as well for, I guess, women in motorsport or just any sort of inclusion in motorsport if you engage on social media. Like to, to the viewers and listeners who are perhaps wanting to support series with women in it, just tweet them, you know? Yeah. Interact with their socials. Whenever I saw W series tweets on my feed i'd always like like them or, or drop a supportive comment just just to show that there is that interest and that support for it really because there's always going to be a lot of hate especially for women like you, you see so many comments online that's like oh women can't drive or if there's a crash they're like oh typical women <laughs> so it's, it's oh, yeah, annoying and never crash men have never mm. crashed in their lives you know never never happened before <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, it's annoying. It's annoying. I, I, I do wish it would be more equal, but it's, yeah. it's the world we live in, I guess. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of nuggle dragging in sports, especially for some reason. I don't know why it brings the worst in people sometimes, but it does. Yeah. It's, it's sad because sports should be a thing where everyone can come together and enjoy it, regardless. You know, we're from two completely different countries, and here we are coming together to talk about something that. I guess unites us in terms of yeah. like you know we have a shared passion and that's great. 
Um, and that's actually how I feel about Eurovision. I know we've got really off topic now. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. I really like how I don't you know, mind. all the countries come together and it's like it's a big party. You know, I feel like motorsport or just all international sports should be more like that. You know, everyone can just come together and have a good time. Obviously, support your favorites and root for them. But it's not the end of the world if they don't win. Like, you don't have to start throwing stuff and attacking people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And and, and 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 go and and going with our theme, we mm. do have a like Finland does have a chance to win Eurovision this year, so I'll be watching yes. more closely than ever. Cha, cha, and that's cha. that's how I do. With, yeah, exactly. That's how I do with Formula One too. That's I'm awesome. Not, I'm not ashamed at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what? I actually got tickets to Eurovision today. I'm very very happy. Oh yeah, because it's in Liverpool. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. It was the second the second batch of tickets went on sale today. It was earlier today. As of recording saw... this, and nice. I got one. I didn't get one in the first wave, so I was so happy to have got one. It's like you're so That's happy. Cool. Unfortunately, I'm not going to see Finland. It's for the other semi-final, mm-hmm. um, but that's okay. I'm going to be there, and that's what matters. Again, uh, Kari is from my hometown. Oh my goodness! <laughs> like, is it, is I knew. Just... <laughs> I knew. Um, I like like no, I'm not going to name drop and like I pretty sure i've never met him but i do know a lot of his friends or like wow. i went to school with a lot of his friends so i was like oh yeah he's, he's like he's from around here oh, how funny it's, because it's i had him. no idea yeah. <laughs> oh that's so cool what are they putting in the water in your hometown like what is everyone drinking there <laughs> i don't know maybe we just like attention maybe that's it it's um i love yeah. it we're, we're in the shadow of helsinki so we're the small uh... suburban town <laughs> well that's uh, so cool though i didn't know that and um yeah i actually did watch eurovision live too i went to the final dress rehearsal when it was in helsinki oh that was in 2000 yeah that that was 2007 wow it was in eighth grade i believe wow that's really cool how old is eighth grade uh i i'm i would have just turned 15 like it was because it was the spring so like my birthday's in march so cool I'm too British to understand how grades work. My boyfriend's always like, yeah, when I was in grade one, oh no, first grade, I'm always like, mm. and how old is that? <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's different country by country. Yeah. So it's not the best example to use, but yeah. yeah. I was 15. Luckily, age is universal. Woo. Yay. Speaking of age, Fernando Alonso. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yes. was such a bad transition. No, 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 no. That was perfect. We'll go, we'll go with that. Okay, have you heard the rumors that Alonso is dating Taylor Swift? I don't think it's true, but have you heard this? <laughs> I, I heard it yesterday, and I, like, because somebody was making a Reddit joke, yeah. I, I think in Formula Dank or something, mm. and I, I, I just, like, Googled it and see, like, oh, it's just a rumor, whatever. Yeah. It would have been fun, because I, I used to be a huge Taylor Swift fan, too, so it was like, <laughs> oh, my two worlds are colliding here. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've seen so many people saying just that, like that their worlds are colliding and such. And it's like, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I think what happened was it started out as someone made a joke. Um, I don't know exactly where it originated, but someone must have joked it. Someone else must have joked it. It must have become a bit more of a joke. And yeah. then the joke must have spread across platforms from whichever platform it started on. <laughs> and then like maybe someone semi-large picked it up like maybe a small journalist or something and maybe tweeted about it on their own account for fun and then gradually it's Uh kind of just escalated and then I don't know if you saw but I think it was earlier today on TikTok 
Fernando Alonso posted like a video and it was him um winking at the camera with a Taylor Swift song playing. <laughs> okay, like he's embracing the memes. He's embracing the it. He milk. is embracing it or yeah, so that's funny to me. That was really funny. And the comments is just as funny as you'd imagine. Like everyone is like absolutely dying. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, Fern, uh, Fernando has a lot of, shall we say, interesting qualities about him, and and I don't always agree with them, but like that's his thing. Not 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 for me to discuss or judge, but uh, I do like the fact of like how little he cares now. <laughs> I look, yeah, exactly. Like he's, I don't want to say he's being like Kimmy and that he doesn't care, but like he's he's no. a bit more like. I don't know. He's a bit, he's less restrained. I think he's always mm. been a bit unrestrained. Like, if if you know what I mean by that, like he's he's yeah. always been quite um, he's always been himself. Let's say. Um, and I think even now, like coming to the end of his career, like he's he's really just letting loose and having fun, and that's important. And now, when... now he's got a car. Now he's got a car that he, he can put on a podium. Yeah. So it's 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 so it's exciting. all working out well for him. Yeah, and he's he's always gonna be the guy who beat Schumacher. So, like, nobody can ever take that away from him. Nico Rosberg. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, like, for a championship. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, exactly. So That's it's, exciting. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. So, like, he's always going to be that guy. So he's always yeah. going to be a legend no matter what. So now he can just have and fun. And a two-time world champion. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you think of Aston Martin being a friend? It, it's kind of weird, but it feels right, almost. Yeah, like uh, exactly how I feel too. It's it was um for me it seemed like yeah obviously everybody has these grand plans and you know like oh in this many years we're gonna be fighting at the top and blah 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 blah. But but the way that like Lawrence Stroll was talking about it and the money he's invested into it and like the sort of changes he's been making and like. Mm -hmm. Like he's doing his stuff, like the the money stuff, the resources, like allocating all of that, and then he's letting the people who know better, like take care of the rest. Yeah. And so like he's and that's a... he's brilliant at that. Yeah, that is a great way to do. It. He scares me though. He does scare me. A bit, yeah. <laughs> he gives, and like obviously, um... obviously, there's gonna be one seat that's always filled as long as Lance is racing. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Like Lance is a good driver, of course he is. But like, is he a championship-winning driver? I like you. You have some really good opinions. Because a yeah. lot of people are like, "Yeah, but Stroll sucks because he's a pay driver and he doesn't deserve his seat and such." Like, he's a good driver. Is he championship material? Not necessarily, but he is still a good driver. Like, he is at the level of all the other F1 drivers. Watch, like, watch his Formula Three season, the 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 year before he entered Formula One, yeah. and then ask if he's a Formula One driver or not. That's he was, it. He was kind of cracked that year, I will say. <laughs> he did. He did win a lot. And 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 like, of course, like yeah, Perez beat him, and um, how was how was Massa against him? I think they were like similar level. I think Massa beat him, but that's like you know, Stroll was very much a rookie at that point. I think so. Yeah, he was. He was still a teenager. Exactly. So I I never pay too much. Um, but that's the thing. It doesn't really matter who beat who because. Sorry, I was gonna have a drink, and now I'm like, <laughs> I'm onto something. Um, I can, I can, I can, I can talk if you want. No, it's fine. 
it's it's just really interesting how like junior careers work because mm-hmm. like Albon beat Verstappen in the karting championship, and yeah, now look at yeah, but now look at them now if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like we saw what happened when Verstappen and Albon were up against each other in a team. As an Albon fan, don't worry, I fully understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's just really interesting how it works. How how the same people can encounter each other and how different abilities can change and how people can grow and evolve with a car. Like the whole Daniel Ricciardo case is really interesting to me because, you know, we know he has a lot of talent, but it was just that McLaren was not gelling with him. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Sure. And I think uh, Ricciardo has sort of, I think, overvalued himself in a way where, like, it's impossible for him to be in a similar position where he was. Because like that that Renault move was a mistake. Everybody knows that, and right. I think uh, to to an extent the McLaren move was just as well. He got that one win out of it, and I, that's you know great, great for him. But yeah. I think, or or maybe he was being pushed into a corner at Red Bull. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I hear varying things. Obviously, we'll never know. Well, we might we not we might know one day. Daniel Ricciardo dropped the book, please. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's really interesting, and it's interesting as well to think about what could have been. So, what yeah. do you think would have happened if Ricciardo had stayed at Red Bull? He would have been pushed into a number two driver position. I think it would have been a Vettel Weber situation. Makes and sense. and Ricciardo would have eventually quit anyway, and I think that would have been the end of his career. Just or fully he quit have... from Red Bull. Yeah, I think I think yeah, either that or like enter like a real backmarker team, like a Williams or a Haas mm-hmm. or. So with that logic, like does it make sense why he joined Renault in the hopes that they'd pull an Aston Martin and be fighting at the front? Of course, I understand the logic, but and and I think everybody understood the logic yeah. at the time too. But in hindsight, it it was a mistake. Yeah. But but I like I don't know. There's something, and like this is me reading into people way too much, and like people that I don't know, I have yeah. never met. So it's it take it with a gigantic pile of salt. <laughs> but I don't think he's as happy as he says he is. I don't think so. Like, like, like when you watch his interviews, like right now, wearing Red Bull gear, I, I, I just don't see it. Like he, he, he wants to be in the car. He wants to race. Yeah, but I, I think I'd agree. That, that was that, that was the only move he could make. Yeah, it's it's a it's a sad one, really, because like I don't know, he he just got unlucky with Verstappen coming in because. Mm. Imagine if he had stayed the number one driver at Red Bull, and I think he really could have gone on to do some good things with the team, sure. especially seeing where they are now. But then it's like, how much has Verstappen influenced where they are now? A lot, and Vettel did the same thing too. And Vettel is they... so good at car development. I have to say, like he, yeah, he knows those cars. I think that's also a part of the reason why Aston Martin is so good now. Yeah, 100%. Completely agree. So we'll see where uh, Fernando picks up from there. And Do I don't I don't know. think we'll see Vettel as a team principal one day? Or in a senior role within a team? Similar to maybe Prost at Renault. I, 
Oh, oh, Prosta Renault. Yeah, that I can see. Well, not, yeah, not, like not, a team not a team principal, not on the pit wall. No. In the garage, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd, I'd agree. That'd and be it's, nice. It, and it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's also like, it's always such a mixed bag with former drivers getting into that side of things because yeah. it can go either way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, yeah, like Horner was a F3000 driver. And like, was it? yeah, yeah, and now he's probably, arguably, one of the most legendary team principals the sport has yeah. ever seen. Love him or hate and him. Then, <laughs> yeah, and then we have the you know the Prosts and the Stewards and those people, like you know, especially Prost. That was mm -hmm. um as a, as a '90s F1 fan, that was uh, <laughs> something to behold, especially yeah. the the very end times of that team. I mean, Stewart got a pretty good paycheck when he sold Team to Jaguar, which then became Red Bull. So, I mean, I guess it all ended up pretty okay. Yeah. And we kind of came full circle, I guess, back at Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It always ends there. Yeah. Everything ends with Red Bull. <laughs> How many races are they going to win this season? Ooh. Definitely not all of them. I think no. it would be... Because no, no, no. obviously they're the most dominant team in the fastest car right now. But I think it would be very silly to say that they're going to win everything. Because mm. statistically, it's just, you know, even if both of them DNF at some point, you know, someone else wins. But I do think they're going to run away with the Constructors and Drivers Championships this year. It just doesn't seem like anyone's really close enough to challenge them at the moment. Obviously, with the new upgrades, I think there'll be a lot to look forward to um, mm -hmm. come Baku. Because I think it will be, be exciting! Um, and I have high hopes for my team Williams. <laughs> Hopefully Ooh. they're because they're they're generally quite good in a straight line. So yeah. <laughs> Baku is gonna be the track for them, I hope. Um uh, hopefully mm. some more points for Alex Albon. <laughs> and maybe some nice. debut points for Sargent as well. He's not scored yet, has he? No, he hasn't. Yeah. He was okay. twelve, something like that. Yeah. I just had to maybe check, you... otherwise I would embarrass myself because like I call myself a Williams fan and then <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if it's outside the points, we tend to know a little less. Yeah, exactly. It's we don't only it's the not... only the Yuki eleventh place statistic that <laughs> almost stayed, but then Sainz got a penalty. So yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> imagine, and... imagine though, eleventh is like the worst place to finish. I'd be so mad if I was in an F one race and got eleventh. Uh yeah oh yeah D doing the whole yeah. an hour and a half or like a race like Australia was you drive around the Ooh. whole time and then like don't get a point but you were yeah. so close to oh, a point just... so yeah. <laughs> yeah close but no cigar yeah I I here's a prediction that I will make okay. about the season though uh yeah arguably yeah Red Bull are gonna win both championships like no struggle there whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, both Mercedes drivers drivers will win a race this season, Ooh. but neither Ferrari drivers are gonna. That one, I need a second. <laughs> That's okay. an interesting one. I disagree. Based I think on... we'd see one Mercedes win and maybe three Ferrari. I'm saying four, but like three and four in total, non Red Bull win. Hmm. Which I guess takes us to nineteen yeah. Red Bull wins. That's quite that's quite a high number. Maybe maybe I'd say two Mercedes wins, but not necessarily one of each. And maybe 
three or four Ferrari wins. And I think Science couldn't get more than one win this year. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I do I do really like Science. I do really rate him as a driver. I just think Leclerc is Ferrari's number one driver. I think if they get the chance, they're going to try and prioritise him. I mean, we saw it at Silverstone last year. They mm. they tend to prioritize Leclerc, but they also tend tend to screw over both their drivers with the strategy. So who knows? <laughs> um, it is Ferrari's huge... going to be strong. Ferrari's going to be strong next year because I think Vasseur is the is the man mm. for the job, but too slow. Like right now, yeah. the development pace of development is too slow, and but I think that's, that's going to be okay. a, like a long term project. Yeah, I always when a team suddenly drops in performance. Or over a year or like doesn't grow too much over a year i'm always very interested to see how they'll do next year because it feels like they suddenly are pouring everything into the following year which is really mm. fun to me like um aston martin for example they were they were basically nowhere last year and now look at them i feel like they spent a lot of time developing this year's car rather than last yeah. year's um which is and there was the whole discussion of like you know ferrari at the beginning of last year yeah yeah exactly because they they probably put a lot more into it last year, and now this year they're struggling a bit. While a team like Mercedes perhaps knows how to balance a bit better because they have mm. been used to it. And Red Bull being in the winning position have been very free to just move on to next year's as soon as they've wrapped everything up. So yeah, and yeah. the and the uh, budget penalty was just a joke. Yeah, like it was it was so nonsensical. Do you think the whole budget cap thing has affected this year's championship? Because those are the two teams we're seeing at the front now. I don't think it has affected the championship in terms of like who's gonna who's gonna win it or who's gonna be near the top. But I think it's 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 brought the field closer, and that's what they wanted in the first yeah, place. Yeah, I like that. I know a lot of people are saying that it's not it's not worked because Red Bull are so dominant right now. But if we look at literally everyone that's not Red Bull, it is so close, and that is. Hugely exciting. Um, as someone who loved F1, it's like, yeah, look at all the cars, they're right next to each other. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, my bold prediction at the start of this year, um, I will admit, I made this before Str- Stroll fell off his bike. Um, so, <laughs> this is a, this is with like a, a February prediction, I guess. My prediction was that Stroll would outscore Alonso. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's everyone's reaction. They're like, hmm. like No, I don't I don't see it as as an impossible thing. It's just a rather bold improbable. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just like the amount of unlikeliness that people perceive it to be versus the chance of it happening. So like if it happens, everyone's gonna be shook that I got it, you know. <laughs> yeah, and Alonso is is one of those drivers that don't take any amount of time to get used to a new car. Mm. Like like every like almost any other driver you could think of, like you you put them like they change teams, and the first year is always just a bit of a write off. It's like oh yeah, they just change teams. It's like whatever they they'll they'll get up to pace during the season and next next year is going to be their year but Alonso yeah. like that doesn't apply to him never has yeah exactly he's he and that's that is what you call really like one of the best drivers there's been in mm-hmm. F1 you know if you can just have that immediate you know what I mean like you just yeah, gel yeah. with the car instantly the it factor. Yeah. yeah exactly and I feel like someone like Verstappen has that as well um 
Not that there aren't other drivers on the grid that can do the same, but we saw from Albon how difficult that Red Bull is to drive, and no matter how many experimental changes they did to try and make the Red Bull easier to drive, Max just handled it every single time. Yeah, like, because uh, as, just, a, as a baseline, it's made for him. Yes. Yes. But also, it was a tricky one to drive, even with Max's mm. driving style being more catered for. Um, I do feel like he can just pick things up very, very quickly, which is hugely impressive, in my opinion. I get the sense you're like, no. <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, I can, I can just disagree ever so slightly, but uh, I'm an album fan. It's in my favor for you to disagree. <laughs> sure, because I'm basically he... saying Verstappen did what Albon couldn't, and you're saying, well, Albon literally couldn't. It's <sighs> yeah, and so... kind of at the time, <laughs> at the time that it happened, I was a bit salty about the whole uh, Gasly incident for two reasons. Mm. One, that Gasly got dropped. Because I think that was too quick, too soon. Yeah. And I I think it should have been Kvyat and not Alban. Yes. Interesting discussion there. Because Kvyat was also dropped too early by Red Bull. So yep. he, he really did deserve the second shot. And he outscored. He, was... he outscored Ricciardo in their like only full season together. Yeah, Kvyat is hugely underrated. I feel like a lot of people only see the whole torpedo thing and nothing else. Um, mm. What's interesting about Red Bull doing... Albon up to Red Bull was because it was a great way to compare every pair that were kind of unknown. Like we didn't know how, because by putting Albon against Verstappen, it allowed us to compare Albon and Gasly, because it was basically how they both fare against Verstappen. If that yeah. makes sense. And, so and also Gasly, Gasly and Fiat. Gasly and Fiat. See which one of those two is better. And we'd already seen Albon and Fiat earlier in the season, so mm. I think that's where the logic came from. Because I agree, as an Albon fan, putting a a rookie in the Red Bull. <laughs> it's a bit of a decision, you know? Um, yeah, even Max didn't get the promotion that early. Yeah. So, yeah, but Albon really rose to the challenge. We saw him just absolutely, you know, take the reins of that car, and he had that stunning Red Bull debut at Spa. Um, he overtook so and... many people, which was so amazing to see. Yeah, he had an excellent couple of races. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, Spa, and then Brazil, the Brazil and then Austria 2020. <laughs> he should, yeah. and, and he he should have won Austria 2020, no question. I mean, as as a Finnish person, I'm very happy that Bottas won it. But you know that that was Albon's race. That was like his one ultimate chance. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in severe pain. <laughs> <laughs> like. Imagine how I felt, right? As an Albon fan, like, he's my guy, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Not only Brazil. Brazil was bad enough because he was going to get his first podium there. Austria, he was going to win because he was basically past Hamilton, right? And Hamilton was. arguably was the harder of the two to overtake, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I mean, that's pick- that's everybody's opinion. No. Like, as a, as a Bottas fan, that's mm-hmm. everybody's opinion, and okay. I will have to agree. Yeah. But I actually, I, I'm a big Bottas defender. I do love Bottas. And um, what I do want to say is that Bottas is an incredibly smart driver, way more smart than people give him credit for. Um, and the reason he's so consistent is because he has such great risk versus reward kind of weighing up. He knows when to fight his battles and which ones to fight. 
he probably wouldn't have put too much of a fight up against Albon because Albon had the fresh, was it softs? The fresh tyres, basically. It was. Both Mercedes were struggling with, I think it was power or something. They had to stay off the curbs. They were basically just clinging on. And Albon had basically cleared Hamilton in just one corner. So, you know, mm. Bottas needs to just push forward and not risk losing more time so that Hamilton would catch him. So I feel like he would have cleared Bottas fairly easily as well. Um, so yeah, he, in my opinion, he definitely would have won that race. Albon definitely would have won that race. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He left the championship too, briefly. He did. He did. That was very cool. Well, he would have. Al- Albon would have, but Bottas did. So, <laughs> uh, And the fact that he hadn't even got a podium at that point. I know. Unluckiest I driver. Know. And I will defend Albon's Red Bull stint forever. I will forever defend it. Like, so many people say he did a bad job. He absolutely did not. Um, Especially when you look at the Checo versus Albon stats. Both of them on average four tenths off max in quality. Problem is, when Checo was in Red Bull, the Red Bull was faster so that four tenths off max would put you in P4 or P5. When Albon was in Red Bull, the Red Bull was slower. Four tenths off would put you as low as P8 in some races. So... That's all I'm saying. He was perceived to Good. be a lot worse than he was. Let's just say that. <laughs> you've, you've, you've got the numbers. I'm not going to disagree with them. Don't disagree with them. <laughs> and yeah, Albon definitely deserves a place in F1 at the very least. 100%. Oof. Yeah, I, I think we could probably finish up here, to be honest. We've just reached the hour mark. It does not feel like it's been that long. No. But yeah. It's it's one of those things where like we could go on for four hours or we, we could end it here. <laughs> because like everything has a tangent and another tangent. It's always like this with F1. Because like I'm... there's so many like I I hate using the word storylines because of drives to drive yeah. to survive, but no, that's, go for that's it. the point. Embrace yeah. it. You know, I'm out here like this story arc, you know, the character arc, like <laughs> out here talking about it like it's a tv show <laughs> redemption <It is>. era <laughs> entertainment for the masses that's what it's yeah. all about exactly um i think we should definitely have you back i think you've been a fantastic guest and um, we've been able to talk about so many really exciting and unique things that i haven't quite covered with my other guests you have a great knowledge so I would love to have you back. <laughs> well, thank you. We'll we'll do that. And and also since you know at the top of the show you did introduce me as a Finnish F1 fan and we barely yes. even touched on the history of Finland and Formula 1. We'll we get should... there. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll we'll do that. <laughs> we'll have to do Great. a deep dive or something. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, Let I'll be happy us know to assist. in the comments of whichever platform you're on what you'd like to hear about Finland for a future episode. We'll take the ideas and we'll we'll get back to you. <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah. Do you want to do the outro? Uh no, that's that's <laughs> okay. all on you. I've got, okay. I've got I've got nothing else to say for the moment. So, okay, you know, normally... thanks for having me on. <laughs> cool. No, normally I start trying to do the outro, and then like Neil will jump in and just be like, "Thanks for watching, everyone. Be sure to like and subscribe." <laughs> oh um, yeah, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, so like yeah. I'll just say it. I'll just say it. Bye, everyone. <laughs> be sure to like, drop a follow, subscribe, ring that notification bell. Um. Tell all your friends. 